Welcome to Living Well with Dr. Peg. With your host, psychologist Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark, Living Well with Dr. Peg explores a variety of mental health, wellness, and safety topics. Brought to you by SSI Guardian, Living Well with Dr. Peg shares effective and practical psychological strategies based on biblical principles for living well. To learn more about the show or Dr. Peg's mental health consulting and publishing services, visit drpegradio.com. And now, here's your host, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. program is paid for by SSI Guardian. Hello listeners, I'm psychologist Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark and welcome to Living Well with Dr. Peg, coming to you from Denver, Colorado and brought to you by our sponsor SSI Guardian. SSI Guardian provides evidence-based advanced training and solutions to learning institutions and faith-based and professional organizations. If you missed last week's episode or any episode of Living Well with Dr. Pegg, be sure to go to drpegradio.com. That's D-R-P-E-G radio.com. Well, just check the news on any given day, and you're going to encounter reports of terror attacks, all kinds of community and domestic violence, as well as mass casualty active shooter events. And if that's not challenging enough, we each cope with our own personal losses due to illness, aging, disabilities, and personal tragedies. And unfortunately, and I guess it is a fact of life, death and loss are things as humans that we cannot escape. And to help us explore these events and how we can cope in healthy ways, my guest today is psychology professor, licensed therapist, and author of the book The Superman Years, Linda Bazogany. Linda, thank you for being with us today, and welcome to the program. Oh, Thanks, Peg. Nice to be here. Yeah, it's good to see you. Well, unfortunately, um, it's just so disheartening to just hear about even just reading that list of things in my introduction. Um, it's, it's just disheartening. It can be overwhelming, depressing. Uh, in life, we expect death from old age, and there are other personal expected losses over the course of a person's lifetime that are just part of living. But some tragedies that we've been experiencing as a society recently really are just overwhelming and depressing um, are you experiencing that in your uh, clinical practice as a therapist? Definitely, and also in my teaching mm. to groups of students. Um, there is one of two reactions. Either they are very affected by a news story or one of these mass shootings, or they haven't even heard about it, or it doesn't affect them at all. Mm. So kind of that denial, numbing, yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. And I know for myself, boy, I'd say for decades, I have been very intentional about my exposure to the media. Good idea. (laughs) And the news in particular, because I call it the bad news, Mm -hmm. you know, the evening bad news. And I know some um, news outlets give us a lot of fluff, and that kind of is irritating to me as well because I say, this isn't news, it's just entertainment. You know, tell me what's going on. Right. But then what's going on is often all of these horrible things. And so I've really had to limit my consumption of, quote-unquote, news because it's often bad news. And so you might find someone like me shutting down and intentionally 
maybe going a couple days where I don't know what's going on because I just can't take it anymore. Absolutely. That's your way of coping. Mm -hmm. And I have done the same thing. And it's it's not an unhealthy thing to limit your exposure to that type of news. Yeah. And so for those the group of folks who are very affected by all of what's going on, what does that look like uh, in terms of our responses and our reactions? Well, um, if someone is being very affected disproportionately to their closeness to the situation, let's Mm -hmm. say, in other words, perhaps they haven't lost anyone personally in that tragedy or know anyone close, and this is their typical response to several of the events that are going on, it might be an indication that uh, they do need some personal therapy or counseling because their reaction is probably disproportionate and unhealthy to the situation. Mm -hmm. And we'll talk more about that specifically, what can uh, loved ones and concerned individuals look for or recognize to know that this person might need some help. Mm -hmm. But in terms of just uh, experiencing Um, in the aftermath of bad news or a personal loss or tragedy, what Mm -hmm. would be a normal expected reaction in terms of grieving, if we could put that label on it, just grieving some of these losses and tragedies? Uh, Sure. Well, we mentioned one already. Uh, If you can think back on a time that you received awful, heart-rending news, what was your first word out of your mouth sometime? Uh, well, you say, oh, my God, or I can't believe it. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, can't believe it, mm-hmm. or no, this can't be happening. Um, so denial or mm-hmm. shock or numbness, whether that's on a collective scale, the events in the world, or a personal tragedy in your life, um, definitely is a, one of the most common kind of almost self-protective mm-hmm. measures that happen immediately in the aftermath. So and, and that is perfectly normal. It's like it's waiting for your body to be in a space that it can uh, integrate mm-hmm. that type of news, mm-hmm. uh, often followed by mm, confusion and disorientation and a sense of being uh, ungrounded. Mm-hmm. Um, you might not know what to do next. Perhaps you can't concentrate very well. These are all uh, very normal reactions to immediate difficult news. Mm -hmm. You might not feel anything at at all. Um, A uh, a neighbor of mine who was losing his father in the hospital to lung cancer, when I went to visit, he was further distressed because he said, I don't feel anything. Mm -hmm. He was left with a lot of the responsibility of trying to take care of the affairs, so he was very responsible and had to get through this list of things to do. And I just kind of reassured him that 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 is your reaction. Mm -hmm. So we don't have to pile on judgments about how we're reacting or should be reacting. Shouldn't we be more upset, et cetera? That is a very normal reaction. Right. And so a program like this that can educate the listeners on what are some of the normal, typical reactions, Mm -hmm. um, and to know that, oh, being numb actually is a normal, typical reaction that can help uh, help people cope with whatever they're feeling to know that this isn't bizarre. Yes, they're not cold-hearted people because yeah. they're not feeling in that moment. That is a common reaction mm-hmm. to uh, difficult, painful news. Mm-hmm. 
Well, and and there would be different factors that affect that grieving process, wouldn't there? You're you just you're mentioning that your neighbor's specific situation mm-hmm. that he was the one who had to be responsible, and that that was our show previously um, last week was on uh, estate planning and mm-hmm. having all of those documents in place. Who is the personal representative or executor? And that person has to take on a lot of responsibility, Definitely. and so that's a factor that might affect someone's grieving. They can't really quote unquote break down. Until everyone's kind of forgotten about, you know, people say there's a lot of people around me during the funeral, Mm -hmm. but it's the weeks afterwards when Mm -hmm. people have stopped visiting and Mm -hmm. people have stopped bringing the casseroles and I don't have to deal with the lawyers Mm -hmm. anymore and I'm all by myself. Uh, that might be the time someone like that can can finally break down if that's how they're so inclined to respond. That's absolutely right. Many people describe going through those um first weeks even, uh, where the funeral takes place and they have a lot of support from people around them and the weeks go on and then you're expected to really get back into the mm-hmm. routine of life and really go on almost as if nothing has con- changed completely, which yeah. it has. Yeah. It, after a loss, it has changed completely. And that is when a lot of people uh, f- move into feeling deep sadness, sometimes overwhelming grief Mm -hmm. intermittently, and it it can be intermittent. So you can go from uh, deep feelings of sadness and sorrow to, again, back to feeling not much of anything and wondering if, oh, I guess I'm okay now. Mm -hmm. And then out of the blue, really bad day. The other thing that can happen with loss as opposed to um, major depression, a clinical depression, is that sometimes people feel wonderful joy intermittently about memories of the Mm. person. When we're very vulnerable and very hurt, we are actually open in a way that we mm, probably defend against at other times. Mm. So that this might be a time where we can find uh, direct closeness to God or our spirituality, things that comfort us that way, we can feel a real paradox of emotion, too. Mm -hmm. Some people think they shouldn't feel joy, Mm. that they feel guilty if they, again, that's compounding the emotion. Just take it at face value. Mm -hmm. Um, Celebrate those joys, those memories that you're having of the person, and um, do what you have to do to nurse Mm -hmm. yourself during the difficult Yeah, so the the highs and the lows. And, you know, you talked about um, the sadness and the confusion and, just kind of not necessarily being yourself while you're grieving. And I, I, we know each other from teaching psychology at Red Rocks Community College when I taught there many years ago. And um, I used to have students all the time who would say, oh, well, my grandmother passed away, so I need an extension on this paper or can't take this exam. And, you know, you're chuckling because we, <laughs> we've all been students, too. Right. And, you know, we, we know many people's grandmothers die multiple times <laughs> and are resurrected well, right around, during their college uh, careers. Right but then midterms. there are those students who, yes, they yeah, really have legitimately experienced a loss, and we have sympathy and compassion for them. Mm-hmm. And so I'd ask them, well, how much time do you think you need? Oh, mm-hmm. I think I'll need two weeks. I'll get back from the funeral next week, and I should be able to turn the paper in a week after that. And uh, I didn't really appreciate just how hard that is until my father died. Mm. And I could, I wasn't even that close to my father. So mm-hmm. I can only imagine a loss where it's someone you're very, very close to. 
And so I was so disoriented, so confused. I couldn't think straight for weeks. Right. And I couldn't believe I was having my students turn in papers. Sure. You know, just a week after getting back from the funeral, I felt so bad that I didn't appreciate how it really affects you cognitively and just your ability to focus and concentrate. Definitely, yes. We expect that we'll just get off the plane, Mm -hmm. return from... Uh, you know, the the funeral services or, or what have you, mm-hmm. and jump right back into yeah. our lives. But it's a whole reintegration yes, process. Yes, and sure. again, normalizing that process that whatever's happening uh, within some parameters is, is normal and okay. And we'll talk about when people should be concerned. Mm-hmm. Well, you're listening to Living Well with Dr. Peg. I'm your host, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. And my guest today live in the studio is Linda Bazogany, licensed therapist, author and psychology professor. And when we come back, we'll look at some of the unhealthy ways that people cope and go through the grieving process when they've experienced a death or loss. But first, here's a word from our sponsor, SSI Guardian. Stay with us. One needs to look no further than today's headlines to understand the threats facing American schools. They remain soft targets for violent threats, and yet our schools go largely underprepared. Our children deserve the highest level of education in the safest learning environment possible. The SSI Guardian QAL, or Quick Action Lockdown, is the fastest and safest way to lock down a classroom. This revolutionary device provides schools with maximum locking protection while meeting all safety, fire, and building codes. Designed by the leading lock experts in the world, the QAL is the only lock that meets Department of Homeland Security primer recommendations. SSI Guardian QAL now makes classroom lockdowns fast and safe with the red button. As a parent, you have every right to demand that your child is afforded the best classroom protection. Take action today by calling SSI Guardian at 877-878-5800 or go to guardianprotect.com. That's guardianprotect.com. To learn more about living well with Dr. Peg, visit drpegradio.com. And now, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. Welcome back, everyone. I'm psychologist Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark, and you're listening to Living Well with Dr. Peg. We're talking with licensed therapist, author, and psychology professor Linda Bazogany, as she always says, rhymes with mahogany. (laughs) And Linda, thank you again for being with us. Thank you. And so we're talking about uh, the normal reactions to really sometimes crazy things going on in the world. Mm -hmm. It's it's almost like how could anyone have a quote unquote normal reaction? But grieving is normal and they're they're predictable, understandable reactions, whatever they may be. There's no real wrong way to respond while someone's grieving. That's correct. Yeah. And so. When people don't have an understanding that it is normal to feel that pain, Mm -hmm. and as you described in the previous segment, even to have those extreme highs and feel very close to God and experience joy even in the midst of sorrow, and the Bible promises us that, that joy comes in the morning, Mm -hmm. and yet people may still want to numb those feelings or or dampen those feelings or even self-medicate those feelings. What are some of the unhealthy ways that people cope or what you would say is there a possible unhealthy response or does anything go? It's how we cope with those responses that is the dividing line between healthy and unhealthy. Yeah, you nailed it right there. It's uh, basically any emotion that comes up for us is fair game, mm-hmm. is okay. okay, even if it takes us by surprise at un 
um, expected times, which is actually really likely even mm-hmm. many years later. Um, so the usual offenders of ways we try to escape our confusion or our unexpected emotions, the usual offenders that we try to avoid difficult feelings any other time that we are experiencing. So the big ones, of course, are turning to alcohol or drugs to change your feelings, to um, not feel it, not feel what you're feeling. Um, some people will eat uh, and not broccoli. They will eat. Uh, <laughs> well, what about all the casseroles and cakes right, that people are bringing? Right, for the example, comfort after foods a funeral, yeah. are usually real high carby foods, and um, they're going to have some effect on your body then and your brain, you're not going to feel well enough to kind of cope with the difficult feelings. People might isolate versus being around family and friends. They may spend hours on the couch numbing out to uh, binge watching TV and, and, and not exercise because of that and get lost in their phones and their computers like we tend to do now. So those are the usual offenders across the board. And if you have a preferred method, let's say, uh, otherwise in your life after a significant loss, you might readily turn to that and more often. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know a a woman who um, lost her husband later in life and um, they had only been married a short time. She had been married earlier in her life, divorced, single for a very long time, and then married mm-hmm. at an older age. And her husband passed away after only a few years of marriage mm-hmm. uh, from cancer, I believe. And she was so grief-stricken um, after that loss and found herself turning to a glass of wine every sure. night. And when she realized she was consuming more and more, and that was uncharacteristic of her in general. She right. wasn't a huge alcohol drinker and to see that she was turning to that every night and more and more and more she realized oh my goodness uh, this isn't healthy and so she turned to the Lord and and sought the Lord on that okay God I'm in a lot of pain here and I don't want to make this my crutch or or my my way out so just comfort me and she was able to get some counseling as well and we'll talk about when do we need professional help? We'll talk about that uh, shortly. Yeah. Uh, so the thing is, when you turn to some of these, I mean, very easy to happen mm-hmm. without you even noticing that you are increasing your glasses of wine and turning to them more often because, you know, first of all, it's a socially acceptable thing to have some wine, you know, several nights a week. So it's real easy for that to increase without someone's knowledge initially. Mm -hmm. I'm glad she was able to see that. The problem with coping, you know, they do help in the short short term probably, but then you're adding a whole other problem to your existing Mm -hmm. problem. And now you have not just this one big thing to deal with, but two big things to deal with. So there's ways to avoid that. Sure. And, you know, we're we're using death as our primary example of Mm -hmm. how we cope and what those emotions are. But there are so many other things that cause us to grieve and experience distress. And I wanted you to share with the listeners a little bit about your experience with your son being Mm. diagnosed with a chronic illness at a very young age and how that's a form of loss as well that has to be grieved. And it actually started with a dream, didn't it? It did, yes. I uh, My son is 18 now, off to college soon. Yay. Yay. But when he was two, I did have a dream 
where we took him. It was very quick, very matter-of-fact, very to the point. Took him to the doctor. Doctor said, you have diabetes. Uh, And then I woke up, Mm. kind of accustomed to looking at my dreams. I tried to analyze that one a bit. Um, Couldn't figure it out, but did look in a medical book for the symptoms. And then two weeks later, my son began to exhibit those very symptoms, extreme urination, extreme thirst in an effort for the body to flush the excess sugar from the system. Um, and it helped me, I believe, it it helped me call his pediatric nurse earlier and just ask, hey, is this anything? Because I was clueless. I did not know those were the classic symptoms. And was he having those symptoms prior to the dream? He was not having mm. those symptoms prior to the dream, but we know that the body was... Um, responding to the disease at that point, just not as visibly, and probably wouldn't have shown up on a in a urine test. The sugar probably would not have shown up at that point. So I believe it helped me ward off a hospitalization and a very mm-hmm. serious situation for him. His blood sugar was dangerously high, but we were able to get him the help right away. And so, yes, he's dealt with this chronic disease uh, for 16 years now. It's hard to believe. And this type of loss, loss of health, physical health, loss of mental health, as in the case of a student of mine whose son had a psychotic break at mm-hmm. age 16 and he was, she never got him back the same way. That's a loss. And Dr. Pauline Boss, who has done a lot of work at the University of Minnesota, she coined the term ambiguous loss mm-hmm. to refer to these types of losses that know, aren't a death, but are a loss just the same and that are occur over the long term, your the grieving process isn't neat and tidy. Mm-hmm. You're never going to be able to be done with it, let's say. Same with the case of uh, someone who develops Alzheimer's and the people around the person with Alzheimer's, they're essentially losing their loved one, but the person's not right. gone. Yeah. So it's a very ambiguous loss, but causes a lot of the same grief reactions on and off throughout the course of the illness. Um, so it, it's very interesting. Mm-hmm. It, it complicates things a mm-hmm. bit. And you write about your journey uh, as the mother of a son diagnosed at such a young age with type 1 diabetes mm-hmm. in your book, The Superman Years. And so do you, are you honest about some of the unhealthy coping that you may have gone through in that book? The un, did I address the unhealthy coping? Probably not. Probably kept that very private. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. And ha- the important thing is to recognize when you are coping in an unhealthy way. When uh, the worst days were when I really couldn't get myself to get out in nature and exercise, mm-hmm. which has always been a coping mechanism of mine, but when sometimes you are just too distressed to even employ healthy coping skills. So it did feel some days like, a, uh, you know, the stuck in the, the black hole kind mm-hmm. of thing where you couldn't even help yourself. Yeah. 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 And so it's, um, it's interesting when as a mental health professional yourself, and yeah. I can 
I can attest to this as well, where it's easy to recognize signs in other people. Oh, you're sure. going through this grieving process. Right. Oh, you, you're doing some unhealthy things. Mm-hmm. Sometimes when it's ourselves, it's mm-hmm. hard to know even when we have the information. And that's why it's so important for our loved ones around us mm-hmm. to also be informed about some of the things to look for or that you can expect or that are unhealthy so that they can be the eyes and ears for us when when you can't recognize those in yourself. And they can provide a mirror in a way that uh, we can't be as objective about our Mm -hmm. own behaviors and how we are appearing to others. We can't see that, but they can provide a real good mirror, especially if you hear it from a couple different sources. Mm -hmm. And so um, dreams is something that you have an expertise in and that you just personally personally have paid attention to in your life. Mm-hmm. And in terms of grief and loss, uh, is it is it unusual for people to have dreams about the dearly departed or dreams about perhaps the traumatic circumstances surrounding a loss? It's very common, completely normal. And it's interesting because it will, the dreaming process will reflect the outer process. So the problem is we usually don't even pay attention to our dreams Mm -hmm. to allow them to help us in the way. But let me give you the idea of this is that first there's shock and numbness, you know, um, you may not be dream, you may not be sleeping well Mm -hmm. and your dreams might be very disjointed or, or even they will be there, but you will not be able to remember Mm -hmm. any of them. So that will reflect the shock and numbness. Your dreams will become numb. And then the confusion and the disorientation, we can always relate to that in dreams where we're trying to usually get through an airport and we're running Mm -hmm. late and these Mm -hmm. obstacles come up. That might reflect the disorientation. And finally, the reintegration, you might be having good signs in your dreams, things building up in your dreams. Mm. You might be given a sense of peace, which I can give you an example of that a little later of a student student in my dreams class. Mm. Um, So they reflect the outer process and can kind of point you on the way toward uh, moving forward. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Well, you're listening to Linda Bazogany, licensed therapist, professor, and author of the book, The Superman Years. When we come back, we'll turn our focus to some of the healthier ways that we can cope with death and With SRN News, I'm Ron DeRockstra. Police in Joplin, Missouri, arrested a 26-year-old man after five people were shot and wounded as they sat in their vehicles at a traffic light. Three members of Joplin's Emanuel Lutheran Church were sitting in a church van. Two dogs in the van were also wounded. Two other people were shot in another vehicle. Police say the shootings appear to be random. Police in Switzerland say a Swiss man set a fire and stabbed three people on a train in the country's northeast, wounding six as well as himself as the train neared a station near the Swiss border with Liechtenstein. People are, police are investigating the motive for that attack. World Track's governing body says it's banned the only Russian and Olympic track and field from competition based on new information it received last week. It had previously accepted her application because she's based in the U.S., but Dara Klishna now appeals and a decision is expected either tomorrow or or Monday, the long jump competition begins Tuesday. This is SRN News. Denver home values jumped in 2013, 14, 15 through today. But your bank still wants you to pay $100, $200 or more in mortgage insurance. Why? 
I'm going to let you in on a banking secret. Many banks are quite happy to have you pay thousands in mortgage insurance for years, even after you could drop it. It helps make the banks rich at your expense. I'm Brian Murphy, owner of Front Range Mortgage, a local Colorado-only mortgage team that has helped hundreds of Coloradans to eliminate their mortgage insurance, saving thousands, lowering their payments, and paying off high-interest credit cards. Call me and my local BBB-approved team for a painless five-minute conversation to see how much money we might save you. Our number, 303-500-1900. That's 303-500-1900. Or visit frontrangemortgage.com. Endorsed by Denver champ Ed McCaffrey. Get an autographed football or McCaffrey jersey with every closed loan. NMLS number 37884, regulated by the Division of Real Estate. Hi, this is Willie Dan with Stanford Funding. Rates have once again dropped to record lows due to the uncertainty of the world market. Right now, you can get 30-year rates in the mid to low threes and 15-year rates in the mid to high twos for both a refinance or a purchase loan. So if your current rate is in the 4% range or higher, call Stanford Funding now at 303-458-8200 and see if you can lower your rate, get cash out, or shorten the term of your loan. Call your local Colorado lender now at 303-458-8200. Let us help you find the right mortgage to fit your needs. At Stanford Funding, we work with credit scores from 800 to less than perfect. Never had a late payment to foreclosure and bankruptcy. Stanford Funding even has our first mortgage loans for those borrowers 62 and older who are looking to retire and eliminate their mortgage payment. Once again, call Stanford Funding now at 303-458-8200 or apply online at stanfordfunding.com. NMLS 306720. Credit score 620 loan to value 90 percent more than to learn more about living well with dr peg visit drpegradio.com and now dr peggy mitchell clark welcome back everyone i'm psychologist dr peggy mitchell clark and you're listening to living well with dr peg and we're talking with linda bazogany licensed therapist, psychology professor, and the author of the book, The Superman Years. And we're, she, she was sharing a, about her some of her experiences uh, with her son's uh, diagnosis of type 1 diabetes, where uh, chronic illness is a form of loss or ambiguous loss, as you said. And uh, there's no real wrong way to feel when we're grieving a death or a loss, but we can get into some unhealthy patterns or unhealthy strategies uh, but, Linda, what are the proactive or healthy strategies that we can use to cope with grief? And I guess the question that I was thinking about is, uh, can we ever grieve too long? And mm-hmm. I, I know there are a lot of cultural and religious customs and practices around grief right. and grieving and mourning periods and how right. we should dress and who should we should visit with and how long can this go on? Yes. And after a certain amount of time, we got to get on with our lives. But can we ever go on too long in in these collection of feelings and emotions that we have that we call grieving? Mm. That's a very good question. Uh, we might feel something, a grief reaction come up many years later and think we're not doing well because we're suddenly brought back to the situation and maybe we're deep in sorrow and need a good day to just take care of ourselves, there's there's really nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. Things can trigger our grief reactions 
forever, yeah. all our lives. Especially like anniversaries. Like uh, I'll see on Facebook, oh, yesterday was my mother's birthday and she's been gone now for the last 10 years. Or, oh, it's Christmas or Mother's yes. Day and it's so hard. I imagine that that's really common that someone would re-experience some grief at those times. Definitely. Uh, sometimes people are having grief reactions and they don't even realize for mm-hmm. a, a little bit that it's the anniversary of the death or the event. Certainly birthdays, weddings, uh, wish your parent was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, holidays are are big for bring, because we generally gather with family and loved ones right. for those. And they those can be very altered, our traditions. So if you are having those reactions years after the fact, it's perfect. It's perfectly fine. It's not like you should be over it. It's not like grief ends. However, there are warning signs that you are your grief is too intense and interfering with your ability to, to, to function, and it may be turning into a clinical depression, or mm. maybe the grief triggered the clinical depression. So with grief, it's quite intense, especially at first. Uh, you vacillate between these emotions, and they're all okay. But as time goes on, these uh, these grief reactions spread farther apart and happen less often. And so if you are experiencing a grief that doesn't de-intensify, let's say, and you are also feeling uh, sad and despondent most of the time, most every day, you're having a hard time going to work, having a hard time going to school, it, um, Having difficulties in your close relationships, this might these might be indicators that um, it's becoming a clinical situation, and that you might seek out some help for that. Mm-hmm. Well, why don't we go ahead and talk about that now, and then we can go circle back to okay, what would be some of the healthy proactive strategies mm-hmm. I can do on my own? Sure. But if okay, say. I'm having these ex- these feelings and it just won't relent and it just seems like it's incapacitating mm-hmm. and it's going on week after week, month after month. There mm-hmm. is no respite. Uh, it's not kind of ebbing and flowing and getting a little more manageable over time. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would be a time to seek professional, professional help, you help. said. And yeah. so what would be my options? Um, who, who Who could help me with something like mm-hmm. this? Well, you could seek someone at your church, pastoral counseling, if that speaks to you. Uh, you certainly, uh, they could help you with some of these issues. Um, a licensed therapist or psychologist or even um, psychiatrist, if you are considering a, a medication for a relief of those symptoms to get you back to functioning to where you can engage in some of the more healthful behaviors that will help you. Um, Your primary care doctor might be even a a starting point for Mm -hmm. you to bring up some of these issues that you're not coping real great and you could use some help. There's groups, there's support groups, which can be real supportive in helping you feel less isolated in your Mm -hmm. pain. You have to choose the right one. There are groups that will promote staying stuck in um, an unhealthy grief process mm-hmm. and 
reiterating the pain without suggestions how to move forward. So you have to be careful in choosing any kind of group support that you seek. And I think um, in any case with groups, you have to be aware when people's identity becomes the dysfunction. Oh, that's an excellent point. As opposed to how they overcame it. And, Mm -hmm. you know, going on a crusade um, to help people who've been, you know, killed due to gang violence Mm -hmm. might be a very um, healthy, functional uh, coping strategy and identity to take on or a child who committed suicide or um, died of some illness and you go on a crusade to be an advocate or spokesperson and and that becomes your identity. I think that's a real healthy growth process and how often God can um, take something that was meant for evil and, and something that was so painful and turn it around for our good. Yes. But I think when people's identity becomes the dysfunction, that might be a red flag that that may not be the best group for them. Absolutely. So I am the mother of someone who suicided, say, can become their identity versus I am um, an advocate for others who have lost their children to suicide is very different. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And so the person I mentioned earlier who started turning to wine every day ended up, uh, again, as I said, seeking the Lord and just, you know, unburdening herself. He says we can cast our cares on him. He cares for us. And so she was led to a support group that Mm -hmm. was very beneficial. Oh, good. And so, again, there are wonderful uh, um, options out there for groups uh, for for grieving and loss of of all kinds. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. Mm -hmm. So you talked about um, psychiatrist uh, counseling with a a psychologist or other mental health professional, um, spiritual or pastoral counseling. Mm -hmm. Um, Say a little bit more about why a person might seek medication from a psychiatrist, because that's always a Mm -hmm. I think that's always a a controversial issue or or not well understood issue. And especially uh, for for believers who may feel, well, if I have enough faith, I'll just be healed. Right. And so not understanding that uh, there are there are methods and tools that the Lord uses to for us to be able to receive our healing, and medication might be an appropriate option. And, of course, everyone would have to evaluate that for themselves uh, with some professional input. But say more about what kinds of symptoms or what kinds of medications um, somebody might want to research. Right. So it would be appropriate to seek help at any time for any distress you're feeling, whether that's from grief or whether that has turned into a clinical depression. With clinical depression, though, you are going to be in a pretty severe state of distress most days, every day, most most of the day, I guess is Mm -hmm. what I'm trying to say. And so... um, it might interfere with your ability. If it's interfering with your ability to live your normal life, go to work, school, things I mentioned before. And furthermore, if you are unable to take care of yourself by eating normally or sleeping normally or um, even taking your showers, taking care of your basic hygiene, those those are real red flags. And certainly if you're having dark thoughts, starting mm-hmm. to have thoughts of harming yourself or um, 
hurting yourself or the world would be better off without me or I'm in so much pain, I don't want to be here. A medication is a very personal choice and you do well to educate yourself or have the professional educate you on the side effects of certain maybe antidepressants or anti-anxieties even because grief can take that edge too. Mm -hmm. Not always a sad depression, but sometimes an anxiousness or an agitation, even an anger. Mm -hmm. Uh, So there are different medications that might help your specific symptoms. And it is, it's a personal choice and it should be well thought out and it should be um, probably short term if you can swing that Mm -hmm. uh, until you can employ some, um, get back on your feet maybe a temporary assistance until mm-hmm. you get on your feet. Okay. And so we we don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater, the very thing that might be helpful to kind of get you out of a, a hole that you might be slipping into. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't want to just say, no, I'm never going to use medications, when that might be the very thing that helps you get over the hump, mm-hmm. and then you can employ some of the um, healthier coping strategies that we may not need professional intervention for. Right. All right. Excellent. Um, I want to talk a little bit about those strategies, those healthy coping strategies, and we won't have a lot of time before we have to go to the break. But you mentioned you personally getting out in nature, taking walks. Is Mm -hmm. that really something that someone could do who's experiencing grief? It's the easiest thing that somebody could do. The, all they have to do to reap the benefits of nature, nature will give to you if you just get out in it. Mm-hmm. So backyard, front yard, trees, green, where wherever, all you have to do is walk out that door mm-hmm. and get in it to receive the benefits. Now, if you can walk, if you're in the space to walk, you're going to um, also reap the benefits that are so pronounced of exercise. Mm-hmm. So that's always a great one. And and we're lucky, we're blessed to yeah. be here in Colorado where contrary to popular perception for people outside of Colorado who thinks it, think it just snows all the time, even in the winter when it snows, the sun is usually out by afternoon. So we can always enjoy that as an easy go-to self-help kind of strategy. Well, we'll talk about more strategies when we return from our break. This is Living Well with Dr. Peg. I'm your host, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. My guest today is Linda Bazogany. We'll be right back after this message from our sponsor, SSI Guardian, to talk more about healthy coping strategies in terms of dealing with grief and loss. Schools can no longer afford not to invest in a professional, evidence-based, advanced safety education training program. It's the single most important decision and investment a school administrator will ever make in their professional career. When all else fails, training and preparation are the only things that will increase your chances of survival in a violent incident such as an active shooter or active terrorism. SSI Guardian has set the new standard in advanced safety education by providing evidence-based, advanced training programs tailored to your needs. While there are many basic training programs largely based on opinion and emotion, 
SSI Guardian is the only advanced training program of its type with an accredited continuing education unit or CEU issued by an accredited university. SSI Guardian has set the new standard in advanced safety education by providing evidence-based advanced training and solutions to learning institutions, faith-based and professional organizations. To learn more, call SSI Guardian today at 877-878-5800 or visit guardianprotect.com. To learn more about living well with Dr. Pegg, visit drpegradio.com. And now, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. Welcome back, everyone. I'm psychologist Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark, and you're listening to Living Well with Dr. Pegg. We're talking with Linda Bazogany, licensed therapist, psychology professor, and author of the book The Superman Years, which you can find on Amazon. So, Linda, we're talking about healthy coping strategies and the, the beauty of nature. <laughs> and we even know that uh, research-wise that uh, sunlight has been proven as a, an important factor in helping elevate a person's mood who might mm-hmm. be suffering from depression to the point that they've invented artificial lights. Right. Uh, but we don't have to spend money and buy an artificial light. We can actually just get outside and out in the fresh air and sunlight, moving our body. Those are all uh, research-demonstrated, evidence-based practices that help elevate one's mood. Natural antidepressants. That's right. That's right. And so what are some other strategies that listeners can try? Uh, And it can just be trial and error. Try Mm -hmm. what works. These are practices that generally um, research shows us these are helpful. Mm -hmm. And people may come up with their own of just things that make them feel good. What what are some um, ideas and suggestions you can offer? After a significant loss, it's so easy to feel that groundlessness and confusion, and part of the process is rebuilding your life, rebuilding and reintegrating with that hole that has been left in your life. Uh, it's important to find meaning, create meaning, and the way a lot of us can do this is to find or remember joy in something that we enjoy doing. For me, I found I had forgotten that I had written all through high school, mm. and I started to write again as a way to kind of sort through the confusion of my son's illness and uh, really took on a life of its own and really saved me, mm. um, really helped me and continues to help me. But maybe you enjoy painting, and maybe you haven't done that for years, or you have to work through all the I'm not good enough painter. It doesn't matter. That is not the point at all. You're um, seeking an expression for this grief, and however that you do that is up to you. Listening to music, uh, creating music, singing, um, whatever, dancing, whatever speaks to you as joyous expression is going to go a long way in your healing for sure you can look for healing images in your dreams if you pay attention to dreams they will uh, provide you with possible personal healing images Mm -hmm. that you can bring out into the world quick example a student in a dreams class i was teaching had lost her brother to aids right before the Mm -hmm. beginning of the semester she had been her his caregiver in addition to complicating factors because One thing I haven't brought up is sometimes we feel relief if Mm. it's been a long, drawn-out suffering illness, and 
that's boy that must be really complicated yes confusing (laughs) so just as we thought we talked if she should go ahead with the class she decided she wanted to she didn't have much dreaming in that semester because it she was in the shock and numbness Mm. of the death but at the end of the semester when she retreated to uh, nature she received a dream of walking into a field in golden light and a whole flock of iridescent pheasants came Mm -hmm. out to greet her and further instilled in her a feeling of peace that she had not experienced Mm. since well even before the death was such a gift to her. So what do you do with iridescent pheasants? Mm -hmm. You know, she sought out uh, jewelry. She even Mm. made some jewelry. She carries uh, a image of a pheasant around her neck and it's reminders that we can reintegrate and move forward. Mm-hmm. It's a long road, but she but that she felt like that was the beginning yeah. of rebuilding. Yeah, that's beautiful, yeah. and it, and it'll be personal. It'll uh, be personal. It's not that I'm I can listen to what you just said and, and say, oh, I think I'll go out and buy a peasant feather to <laughs> right. comfort me when I'm no. troubled. But no. it's very personal that yes. that came to her through 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 her sleep and Mm -hmm. the Lord communicating to her while she was sleeping. And he promises he'll give us dreams and visions. And Mm -hmm. so that's tailor made, you know, for each of us to, to take that guidance. Right. Yeah. Excellent. Well, let's uh, shift gears a little bit and talk about how parents can help their children Mm -hmm. through, through grief and loss. Mm -hmm. And and again, you're the author of the book, the Superman years about Mm -hmm. your journey. Uh, What's the, the subtitle of the book, Linda? The, the emotional life of parents caring for type 1 diabetes. Okay, great. The emotional ups and downs, that journey is what your book is about. And um, we presume you came out on the other end okay. Yeah, Praise feeling good. Yeah, feeling good, good, good. And He's so healthy. good. And there are, there are parents of children listening, maybe even some young people listening, who have experienced some form of loss um, who've experienced uh, some kind of tragedy. They may have experienced a death. And in fact, I found a few statistics regarding children who experience loss associated with death. Approximately 5% of children in the United States experience the loss of a parent before they reach 18 mm. years of age. Mm. And probably the most devastating type of loss for a child. Mm-hmm. Uh, nearly 40% will experience the death of a peer and 20% will have witnessed a death. And again, here in Colorado, you know, you, you mentioned the word, the state Colorado, and I don't know if people think of marijuana first or not these days. Probably. But unfortunately, Columbine is synonymous, mm. you know, Colorado and Columbine, and Columbine has just become a synonymous word for the tragedy that we experienced here. Right. And so think about in Colorado how mm-hmm. many young people may have experienced uh, the death of a peer, even and, perhaps through the Aurora Theater shooting and some of the other uh, losses that we've had in the state. Uh, 20% will have witnessed a death of some kind, not necessarily due to violence. Mm-hmm. So what special considerations uh, should we take uh, for children and youth when it comes to coping with mm-hmm. death and loss and, mm-hmm. and, and death and loss due to any number of factors? Yeah, it it is it, is, it does def- differentiate between what type of loss the child experiences. So, in other words, you mentioned Columbine, and those kids were witness to violent death, traumatic death, and were in danger of that themselves. So there we have another complicating factor. They may be dealing with 
symptoms of post-trauma in mm. addition to loss, which is its own special thing that um, professional help can would really mm-hmm. be advised. Mm-hmm. Uh, acute stress like that takes some a lot of processing before they can even get to the loss piece of yeah, it. Yeah. And but, you talked earlier about how with adults, the grieving can come back over time, even years later. Mm-hmm. And I imagine that's true for children as well. Absolutely. You know, children really do think and process in a different way than adults. So they, young children especially, tend to think in a way that every, relates to themselves, back to themselves. So parents divorce, mm-hmm. something they did someone in their family dies, it's somehow their fault. It's Mm -hmm. not rational, but we know this is how children think. Certainly in in the case with my son, although he never voiced anything, um, there was likely that he felt he had this disease due to something he did Mm -hmm. or his own fault. And then we grow and our brains change and grow. And then we process, especially around adolescence, we process things in a different way. And a death may actually have to be reprocessed mm. as an uh, as you grow into an adult mm-hmm. in a way that you were incapable of as a child right and so depending on the relationship of the person who's passed away it may need to be revisited as they are in a new season of their lives as young as teenagers or young adults for sure yeah. and so the young child might may think of it as an abandonment mm. a loss and then um Somewhere between 7 and age 12, they may have a lot of fear that this person died or this happened, so it can happen to me too. So there may be a lot of fear there, withdrawal. Um, They may either become super good kids, super compliant, or uh, lash out with their behavior. Teenagers might become death defiers so Mm. that you might see them trying to outwit death by some high-risk behaviors driving fast doing drugs things like that major changes so it can take different forms yeah uh throughout development so so how do parents um cope with that Mm -hmm. and we have about a minute and a half (laughs) to tell parents exactly what they need to do (laughs) so what would be some general principles in the short time that we have left Certainly in the young child, constant reassurances that this is not due to anything they did Mm -hmm. and it's through no fault of their own. Um, Understand some of the behavior changes that may occur. Set limits like you would before on inappropriate behavior or behavior that might be unhelpful, harmful to other people. Um, certainly so set don't those give them same, a pass just because right. they're going through a grieving process. Yes. Don't hold them accountable anymore. You can we give understanding, but you're right. Hold them accountable. Mm-hmm. Um, notice the child who might be withdrawing uh, or be fearful. Lots of reassurances, mm-hmm. lots of constant comfort. Um, and also when they are feeling good, kids are more in the moment. So they might look appear as if they're over it, if they're playing or laughing normally which is great. I hope they do. But don't assume that, okay, we're through this Mm -hmm. now. We're all done with this. It's going to likely come back. Teenagers, scarier because of high-risk behaviors. Obviously, we have to um, limit those if they're becoming a danger to themselves Mm -hmm. or other people through their high-risk behaviors. So really just being present, being understanding, um, offering them a lot of reassurance, but still having boundaries and limits. And a good general 
parenting advice regardless of the situation. That's right. Yes. Linda Bazogany, thank you so much for being my guest today. It's very informative information. My guest has been Linda Bazogany. This is Living Well with Dr. Pegg, brought to you by SSI Guardian. If you'd like to learn more about the show or our sponsor or contact Linda Bazogany, visit drpegradio.com. Until next week, I'm Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark, reminding you to live well. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast of Living Well with Dr. Pegg. Living Well with Dr. Pegg is brought to you by SSI Guardian, who has set the new standard in advanced safety education. If you'd like to learn more about the show, our sponsor, or mental health consulting and publishing services, visit www.drpegradio.com. Remember to join us every Saturday at 1 p.m. on 94.7 KRKS-FM for Living Well with Dr. Pegg.